Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged. So this is a bonus episode. And, and uh, you know, as, as things progress with, with Boss Uncaged, I always want to kind of keep everyone in the loop and, and, and kind of, you know, post these updates. Um, so moving forward, like when I do these individual bonus episodes, they're going to be more like micro courses. And what I want the listener to do is to listen to this and take notes, take actions on what I'm about to present to you. Because the goal is that, you know, I, Part of the whole Boston Cage story and Boston Cage brand is to help entrepreneurs, help business owners on their journeys. So this particular one, is, it's not the first one that I've done, but it's going to be the first one I'm going to do in this particular fashion. And I really want you guys to really take heed to, to what I'm about to say. So I'm going to kind of just talk about the topic. The topic is the 12 fundamental business model secrets to help with your growth strategy. And so as the story goes, right, when I first got introduced to um, business modeling, right? You know, becoming a consultant, becoming a strategist. You know, I've been doing this thing for about, about 20 years. So about maybe like 10 to 12 years back, a friend of mine by the name of Scott Wise had introduced me to, to the Lean Canvas. And I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm building my business. He was building his business. And he presented to me this book. And, and I looked it over and I looked at the content. I'm like, you know, it, it makes it very transparent and very simplistic enough so you can kind of really comprehend the components of any business that you need to have to make that business run effectively. So when you start to break down like the canvas, you have to think about it more so from a standpoint of a single document versus multi-page document like a standard business plan obviously both of them could be utilized both of them have their their places in business but it's so much more easier to kind of fill in the blanks for a business model and then use that to then jump off a business and use that to then start developing into your your business plan if you do decide to go down that road if you're looking for equity or if you're looking for um, capital stuff like that so here we go 12 right so the first one is going to be value proposition. And what I want you to understand about value proposition is it's every business that is created, you're essentially creating that business to apply value to a particular customer segment, right? And that value should be associated to some kind of monetary value or in some shape or form. So value proposition is more so like a promise that you're going to deliver value or deliver a solution to a client. In the case of Boston Cage, you know, I kind of give you guys a little insight to what our value proposition is. Like we're here to help entrepreneurs and business owners grow their businesses through the storytelling of other entrepreneurs and other businesses, what hurdles they have overcome over the years. And in addition to that, as Boston Cage has grown, we've added the book club and the book club is essentially a value proposition to help people learn and read and get more insights that other entrepreneurs are reading. In addition to that, we've added the Boston Cage Academy which is probably, I think, the first time I'm really like, making the announcement of it. It was kind of like a behind-the-scenes thing that I was working on. But the Boston Cage Academy is, is definitely active and is live, and you can definitely check it out at bostoncage.com slash academy. So the value proposition of that particular platform is what we're doing right now. 
taking videos like this and breaking them down to smaller like buckets so, so people can really compre comprehend exactly what they need to do, how to do it. Um, in this academy, we record videos, we do step-by-step -step tutorials, we do Facebook groups, we do Q&As. So that way, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to leverage marketing strategies or you want to level funnels or if you want to leverage email marketing, not only do you have access to what platforms that I'm using, you may have access to what other platforms other people are using. You, you'll have access to multiple different platforms, right? So you may have a lifetime deal, you may have a free deal, you may have a paid to play deal or a monthly subscription deal. But the goal is here is to explain these platforms, do live tutorials, explain exactly how to use them, why to use them, what the results should be when you use them. And that's what the, the Boston Cage Academy came to be. So that, that's the value proposition for that. So the takeaway from number one that I want you to do is what is your value proposition? And I want you to look at it from the standpoint, you know, if I'm talking about branding, there's multiple different sectors to branding. There's an individual brand, right? There's a business brand. There is a product brand and there's a service brand. What I've just done is just tell you about maybe one of our services, right? So like one of our products, like that's the story behind the Boston Cage Academy or the story behind the Boston Cage podcast and what those value propositions are for each one of those particular sectors. So you want to look at your products and services and figure out what is your value proposition? What is the value that you're delivering to your customer segments and how are you delivering it? So that's number one. Number two is the unfair advantage. And the unfair advantage is one of those things that, you know, people always say that there's so much competition in the market. No matter what market sector you get into, there's always going to be competition. But even with that competition, there's an individual or individual business that can step up and shine because they have an unfair advantage. Uh, a good example of unfair advantage would be a trademark, right? Having a trademark allows you to kind of own a particular brand or a particular name that no one else can use. So let's say your name is a functional name. Let's say your name is... Um, ladders and, 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 and or windows and doors, right? Let's say that's your name. Well, if you can get that trademark, which would probably be impossible for ladders and, and doors, but if you can get that, then nobody else in that industry could particularly use the ladders and doors, or they can't use windows and doors because you have a trademark on that. And if they infringe on it, then you can legally then say, hey, you need to cease and desist. So that's an unfair advantage for that sector. In addition to that, goes back to like the branding. If you look at your four products, right? And I'm thinking you as a product, your company as a product, your product as a product, and your service as a product, right? If you look at these four different individual brands, each one of them could have their own un unfair advantage, right? So me as SA Grant, like I've branded myself to where I have unfair advantage that there's, there could be another SA grant, but there would not be another SA grant that's associated to Boston Cage. So you can see how this compounds together. Like Boston Cage by itself is a brand, SA grant by itself is a brand, but the, the union between the two becomes the unfair advantage, becomes the variable. So SA grant may not be trademark, one else could become SA grant, but Boston Cage is going through and, and becoming trademark. So then I have that leverage to say, okay, you know what? You can't be Boston Cage, you could be SA grant, but you can't be both. That's, that's part of my unfair advantage. In addition to that, like my story and what I've developed and what I've created and who I've interviewed also cannot be replicated exactly the same way I have replicated. It cannot be delivered the same way I'm delivering it. Even if someone studies the way I'm doing it and practices it, they're still going to be uniquely different than, than I am. So like that's the unfair advantage. And that's just like the top, the tip of the iceberg. But you want to figure out what is your unfair advantage? Because you could be in a market sector with hundreds, if not thousands, maybe even millions of competitors 
You just have to figure out what your value proposition and association to your unfair advantage works best for you and works best for your customers and makes you stand out more than anyone else. So the takeaway for this is like, you know, what do you have that your competitors cannot copy or replicate, right? Again, it could be systems, it could be processes, it could be automation, it could be logos, it could be identity, it could be brand, it could be so many different things. And I think people just kind of like, they hear unfair advantage and they're like, I don't have unfair advantage. I'm just like everyone, but no, you're not like everyone else. Everyone is uniquely different. And what you need to do is figure out what's that unique factor and play to that factor, play to it. Number three, right, is customer segments and relationships, right? So this is like, kind of goes without saying anyone that's in sales or any admin level person or any um, C-level person, they understand customer segments and customer relationships, right? So again, this is, this is just top level stuff, but you have to kind of figure out who your customers are. In the beginning of this podcast, I was talking about who my customers are, right? So I'm talking about small business owners and entrepreneurs that are looking to get a leg up on marketing, business strategies, growth strategies, and brand development, right? So anyone that's in that sector space, I can talk to them and talk to their pain points and give them solutions because not only have I done it before, but I've done it for other people as well. So I'm talking to that customer segment. Now, the type of relationship that I have with those people, it can be variable relationships, right? You can have a B2B relationship, right? So which is business to business. So Prime example, Cerebral 360 is, is my, my marketing agency. That company could then partner with another company to help them, you know, create a website or to help them rebrand or create a logo. That's more of a B2B play, right? Or you can have B2C, which is more so like the solopreneur to the business. So I, I have my corporation and then someone contacts us and they say, hey, you know, I, I like what you're doing. I like your podcast. I need you to help me with some growth strategies. And I had a call like that recently, like um, his name is Sir Evans. He was actually on the episode, uh, I think it was season one. And he contacted me. And he was like, hey, I, I just want to talk to you about some branding, some brand development, some brand strategy, like you know, how could I work with you? Okay. So that that's more of like a, a, a B to C, but it could then easily grow into a B to B as we develop that relationship and we develop his brand and get that platform that, that he he's standing in to grow and prosper. In addition to that, there's like POS, point of sales. So where you know you, you don't really communicate with your client. They just kind of find your product, they'll purchase it and they'll just kind of keep moving forward. And, and I'll look at that more so as like Amazon. Now, obviously, Amazon has customer support, and they probably look at it more as a as a, a B B to C business to consumer. But in reality, it's just point of sales. I, I'm pointing at something on a screen, and I'm purchasing it. The customer journey is there, but the reality is, there's no real person to person contact. There's no real communication from me to them. It's essentially a bot to a person or algorithm selecting the products for that person based upon what they've done before. So just understanding that, okay. If I'm going to create a business, I'm going to create my value proposition, I'm going to establish my unfair advantage, and then I'm going to talk to that customer's segments, and I'm going to build a relationship with them. And I would say probably more than like you want more of a B2B or a B2C play, right? So the takeaway for this one is like, who are your customers and what kind of relationship do you have with them? Is it a B2B? Is it a B2C or a POS? And keep in mind, these are just three of them. There's many others, but these kind of give you like an overall viewpoint to kind of establish the first line to say, okay, you know what? I'm more of a B2B or I'm more of a B2C. And then from there, you can kind of dive in a little bit deeper. And, you know, there's times where we can kind of go into deeper roles and talk about that in more flushed out matter. Going into number four, channels. Now, channels is probably one of my favorite out of the 12 because it's the way you communicate. 
It's the way you contact individuals. It's where do you develop your content? What platforms are you on? So this one could be everything and nothing at the same time, right? You can be talking to anybody or talking to nobody. And then it goes back to figuring out who your customer segments are and what relationships do you have? So for me, obviously I have a podcast. So that's one of my channels. I'm communicating through my audience through a podcast of individuals that essentially need this information. They want this information. This information is definitely helpful and useful for them because I'm talking directly to them about problems they may have had or my people that I'm interviewing are telling them stories that they may have had or they're experiencing right now. And they're figuring out how to, okay, if, if, if you could overcome this and you became successful three years after that or five years after that, well, let me get a little notebook and write down some notes to kind of take heed to what that person's saying because that little nugget, that one word, that one sentence could change the way you're thinking because if you're thinking internally, Again, you need to bounce those ideas off of someone else. And that's the, the philosophy behind communicating on channels. So there's Facebook, there's LinkedIn, there's Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, email, YouTube. I can go on and on and on and on, and on all the different platforms that you can communicate your value proposition through. What you have to figure out is where is your customer segments? Where is your customer avatars? And a lot of you, you may have Facebook, you may have Facebook pages, you may have Instagram, you may have Twitter, but you're not looking at the analytic data. You're just creating content with the assumption that you know who your target audience is. But in reality, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even Pinterest, they'll tell you exactly who your community of people that are actually on your products or on your page are. They may not give you their name, but they'll tell you their sex, their age, and their region. That's more than we've ever had access to like before, like where we are in technology today. So think about that. If they're giving you all this information, then all you need to do is apply this information to your communication channels to talk to that audience to make it a little bit more transparent and a little bit easier for you to then start converting. Okay. And a good example of this is saying that, okay, let's say I'm talking about hearing aids, right? Let's just say that's my general product is hearing aids. And I'm communicating on Facebook and Instagram and I'm making it hip and I'm making it, you know, kind of like um, more postmodern and I'm doing a little bit more edgy. Well, the reality is like that communication vehicle and that device and those language and those terminologies that I just use are more so to like Gen Xers and like um, Y Gens. And, and so it's more of like a, like a younger generation up until maybe like late 30s, early 40s. And to keep in mind, that entire generation, let's say from 18 to 40, they don't use hearing aids. So then why am I communicating to them on, a, on that particular channel in that fashion and hence why you probably don't have any conversions because you're talking to the community, but you're talking to them in the wrong language. So then you want to kind of figure out, okay, if I'm talking to more so um, uh, people that were essentially born in the 60s or, or born in the 50s or, or essentially born in the 40s, then I need to speak to them. I need to look at the 50s. I need to look at the 40s. I need to think about their psychological aspect of when they grew up. What did they see? You know, things you have to think about it, it was more black and white than it is color right now. So putting things in perspective to look at old TV shows, right? Listen to old radio spots, look at old ads. So that way you can kind of touch into their psyche and communicate with them on a level to where it'll bring them back to when they were younger. Because ideally, people as a whole want to live forever, right? That that's part of creating legacies. And you always hear the story about when I was your I used to do 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 do. All of that comes back to them going back to the youth. So that's the, the you want to pull into that psychological aspect and communicate to them on that channel based upon those principles. 
the takeaway for this one is like, what channels do you use to connect to your customers right now? And I want you to list them out, like create a list of these channels, because then you can kind of see like, what, like, what's the value that you're getting back in return? If you have 10 channels, are you converting on 10 of them? Maybe you're converting on one. Okay. So if you're dividing up your time between 10 channels, then you probably need to figure out which channel is really working for you and put some more time, more bread and butter into that channel and communicate a little bit more, a little bit more focus on that channel, make that channel work and then step into other channels as well. You can have other channels up and running, but if you're not really putting time into them, I mean, I think we all know by now the algorithms are not in our favor, right? They're, they're in the favor of conversions for their ad platforms. Number five, customer challenges. So this goes hand in hand with everything we've been saying right? Customer challenges, like, like your value should deliver a solution for a customer's challenge. So identifying the customer's challenge, like we were just talking about hearing aids, for example. So if I'm saying that, hey, it's hard for you to hear, you know, what is that, that, that challenge that you're going through? It's difficult for you to play with your grandkids. It's difficult for you to, to hear somebody on the phone call. Like, you know, what's this FaceTime thing? It's like, I, I can't really hear what's going on. Like, if you're talking to that community of people, identify those challenges, make a laundry list of these challenges, and then apply your values to figure out which one of your values is solving that challenge for them. And then you're connecting those dots. Okay. So what I'm doing is like, I'm doing a live consulting with you, like going back to that story with me and Scott, like we used to do these, you know, literally for, for dozens of clients, we would set them up and say, okay, like, where's your business at? We would do an entire consultant call back then was in person. Right. And then they would buy and purchase a um, lean model canvas from us that we would build out for them and, and fill in all the blanks and all the components of their particular business and say, okay, this is where your holes are. This is what you're missing. This is what you need to do more of. And then they would have a game plan to move forward and they could take that game plan and either work on it themselves or they could hire us as an agency to then develop and fill in those voids for them. It was, it was a win-win for both us and for the client, right? So think about it from that standpoint. What's the problem? And then we're going to talk about number six, which is the solution. But before we get to that, what I want you to do for the takeaway for number five for customer challenge is what are your brand and customer challenges? So you're talking about like the customer, what's their challenge? And for you, for your brand or your company brand or your product or your service brand, what's the challenge, right? And you want to put these on a sheet, like two columns and list out all your challenges for you personally, for a brand or you personally, for your com company, your problems may be leads. You may not have enough traffic. You may not have enough conversions. So then you want to figure out, okay, how do I fix these? Like, what am I doing actively on a day-to-day -day basis to make this work or to make modifications or make changes? Do the same thing for your customers. If you're a, a plumber or a roofer, well, you know by default, like, Part of your problems is to keep people safe, right? Part of your problems is to keep people dry in their houses. So like that, that going that basic and then putting on the obvious on top. Like, you know, obviously there's roof maintenance, right? There's plumbing maintenance. There's all these different things to keep your pipes working, to keep your roof from leaking. Those are essentially challenges that people will be presented with year round. So then you can say, okay, here's my solution for that. Maybe you can kind of create a video course to say, hey, you want to buy into like, active solutions 
to how to maintain your roof, how to maintain your plumbing. Or maybe there's there's a, a service that you can set up and say, hey, twice a year, three times a year, once a quarter, whatever it is, we can come out to your house and check your pipes or check your roof. Like that's solving the problem without having to sell. You're just identifying the issues that they have been presented with in their life or they may be presented with at some time or you're using case studies to say, hey, other people have been presented with these same exact issues in your area because you have the same house. The house was built in the last 20, 30 years. And this is what happens with a 30-year-old house. Blah, 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 blah. Here's all the problems. And here's the solutions that we have. And here's the price to go with those solutions. And you kind of see how this starts to form together to make your life a lot easier because you're using growth strategies to create a system to keep your pipelines full. Number six, customer solutions. So we kind of talked about that a little bit with the customer challenges. But with the customer solutions, you have to like fine tune them, right? And this kind of goes into like honing into your audience and understanding what their problems are and then applying the right solutions, okay? We talked about roofers, for example. Would imagine a roofer that just focuses on gutters, right? He does not really install roofs, but what he does do is install gutters to roofs. So he's piggybacking on the roof market by fixing the gutters. So he's applying to a real solution, right? He's saying, hey, if you do not want to spend ten to thirty to forty thousand dollars on a new roof, one of the things that we do to help save your roof and maintain your roof outside of touching your roof is making sure you have gutter guards, right? That's that's like a sub niche of that same spectrum, but by having a gutter guard by default, what are you going to have? You're going to have less rain that's sitting in the gutter, which could potentially help with less mosquitoes, less um, leaks, because again, it leaves back up, then they'll end up on the roof. So you can kind of see how you can kind of depict this story. You want to be able to tell them the story about what can happen, what has happened, and how you could then prevent that from happening. In addition to that, then you can say, okay, you know, in addition to the service of the gutter guards, what we also do is we do leaf blowing from your roof, right? That could be an additional service in addition to the gutter guards. So you're protecting the roof by two external services that's going to maintain the roof, but you're not even doing anything with the roof. All you're doing is blowing off leaves and you're maintaining and updating gutters, right? So you can kind of see like this solution could definitely plug into that market, but we're not installing roofs. So you have to be get very clear and very precise with your solutions based upon the customer problems. And you have to think outside the box to figure out what variables can I do that's cost-effective and have enough margins to apply. All right, let's go down to number seven. This is another one of my favorite ones, right? And I'm doing it right now. So it's, as you can look at my clock, it just turned seven o'clock AM. I think I, had, I woke up like around six o'clock and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this video. I was amped up. So I was like, I'm gonna come out here and I'm gonna drop these 12 nuggets, right? So number seven is key activities. So in any business, you have to like understand, like you just can't set it and forget it. Even with automations, even with systems in place, you're going to have to kind of have someone touch and maintain the systems. Because the prime example with systems is like a lot of times they're connected to APIs or they're connected to plugins or their software talks to software. Things break all the time. You know, Facebook may have an update that may block out your automation, right? Your email campaign may be, oh my God, we're not getting more leads because your funnel is disconnected from. So keep in mind, you always have to kind of maintain and double check and a lot of email reminders will do that for you. If you have those email reminders set up for those systems that you're using to say, hey, if something's broken, if something's not working, at least notify me. So that's, that's, that's a key activity that I know that I do pretty regularly and I have my VAs look at as well. But generally for any business, like whatever your value proposition is and whatever the problems that you're solving for the customers, each one of those need to have key activities. So if you're 
driving a truck, right? And let's say you have a truck company and you're moving around, you're doing logistics and you're delivering. Well, the key activities for that is maintaining the truck, maintaining the wheels, maintaining the oil. Like those are things that you cannot go without not doing. You cannot not pay attention to that because if a truck breaks down, then essentially your business breaks down. It's the same exact principle, whether you're in a physical business or whether you're in a remote business, or whether you're a solopreneur, there's maintenance for any business. So you have to maintain whatever it is that you started, whatever it is that's making you money and keep maintaining that for forever, right? So then you could put people in place to maintain it for you. You could put systems in place to maintain it for you. You could put automation in place to maintain it for you. But you have to understand that the key activities, it's, it's a key activity for a reason. The key takeaway for this one, would be um, what key activities are you currently doing to expand your value proposition? Like, and I want you to really process that question. What key activities are you doing to expand? Not to maintain, but what are you doing to expand your value proposition? And I gave you, I gave you an example of that earlier. It was talking about like the roof, talking about the gutter guards and what's the key activity that they can use to expand. We talked about leaf blowing off the roof, right? So that's, that's essentially a new service that they've added on but there's maintenance that come with that new service. You were talking about leaf blowers. With those leaf blowers, you're going to have new new employees, possibly. You're going to have to have, probably have new insurance, possibly, right? You're probably going to have to maintain those machines, whether it's oil, whether it's gas, machines break down. You have to have a cost overhead to buy a new machine. So those are all key activities that you're going to have to look at when you're looking to expand into that new value proposition. So you can kind of see how these, these compartments can start to connect and start to build a clearer puzzle. So number eight, key resources. Key resources is, um, I look at key resources and I'm just trying to figure out the easiest way to explain them. Key resources could be software, right? Going back to your systems, like utilizing software to maintain my value proposition could be associated directly to a, to a software platform. QuickBooks, for example, is a, is a key resource. Like how am I sending out invoices? Well, if I didn't have QuickBooks, then I would have to create an invoice or somebody on my team would have to create an invoice or an accountant or CPA would have to create an invoice, email or mail. Imagine mailing an invoice. Imagine like the debacle that would cause with like with, with lag of payment, right? So just think about that. If I had to mail out my invoices, okay, you're looking at essentially give or take whatever state or whatever country, somewhere between three to 10 days for that check or that invoice to be delivered. Then then once it's in the mail room or at that mail location, someone has to check the mail, which people don't check the mail every day, right? Then once they get that, then they're going to have to look at it and then they're going to have to process it. Now, you probably heard of net 30, net 60, net 90, even net 120 before, because again, the farther up the food chain, the larger the companies are, they have their own processes in place. So all these things come into factor. So again, you may not get paid for 120 days just because of, of how long it takes for that invoice to come in, come into their system, for someone to open it up, someone to review it, someone to approve it, someone to then release the funds, then someone to submit the funds. It's a damn nightmare. So think about QuickBooks. QuickBooks kind of solves that problem, right? Or Vimo, for example, solves that problem. Or, you know, obviously there's uh, PayPal as well too. I wouldn't recommend using Cash App, but, you know, obviously there's all these different new services that are key resources that you process payments a lot faster. Stripe is another good example for like course creators. So now you don't have to worry about waiting for someone to get a check or waiting for someone to essentially open up their email, like right then and there, like they can make a payment and you can process the payment. 
So think about that at scale. Like I'm just talking about the money. I'm just talking about cashing out. But if you're using a key resource, it could be for anything, right? It could be for any aspect of your business. You, something that if you did not have access to it, it would probably be a nightmare or it would take manpower or take time away from you doing something that's more important, like building your business or making more money, doing these steps and procedures. So these key resources help to compound time make things easier for you and your corporation. And they also plug into your system that you're creating and developing to make your company run. The takeaway from this one is like, what are your key human resources? What are your key financial resources? And what are your key intellectual resources? And your human resources essentially is your employees, right? And I'm not, you're not trafficking people, right? I'm just saying like humans could be a key resource as well. Like my VAs, a phenomenal VA, right? And it's a team of VAs. It's essentially like five to 10 of them at any given time based on projects we're working on. That's a key resource for Boss and Cage. So that's that's my key resource. My key financial resource, well, I gave you an example of that, would be essentially QuickBooks. And the key intellectual resource, well, we talked about that, right? It's it's books. It's, it's doing and practicing what I'm doing. It's creating all this different content. So essentially, I am that, that intellectual resource behind the Boss and Cage brand. And again, my key activity, I want to be able to maintain these. So how am I maintaining my, my, my key humans? Well, I have to make sure that they're happy, make sure that they're paid, make sure they have things to do, right? And make, then just make sure that generally, like, they're all going in the right direction and they're growing. And my financials, well, I have to look at my numbers to make sure that my software is working right, payments are being made, and, and, and I need, that's a key thing that I need to do to make sure that that key resource is up to up, up to par to where it needs to be. And on the intellectual side, I need to continue to keep learning, continue to keep educating myself, continue to keep interviewing new people, hearing new stories, hearing new inspirations. Because again, much like our, the listener, I'm actively learning as well. We're all learning for different reasons. But for me, it's like, I want, I want to like, I'm plugged in to the day that I die. I want to be able to touch and communicate with as many people as I possibly can until my last breath. So like, that's part of my maintenance. I'm going to be doing this until I have no teeth, missing a leg and gimping around just to be straight up and be honest, right? So let's just go into number nine, key partners. So we talked about the key activities. We talked about key resources. And number nine is key partners. Key partners is a gold mine because like I said earlier, like if I didn't have that partnership with Scott, would I be having that conversation with y'all now about something that I learned 10, 12 years ago? So that partnership give opened up my eyes to new philosophies, new theories, new processes, new systems, right? In addition to that, you could have partnerships like affiliates. Like prime example, like um, Ty Cohen, he's the Kindle cash flow king. Like that's his thing. He's been doing it forever. He's been doing it before, like, you know, like since Kindle started. So being able to be an affiliate to his program, well, obviously I can create my own program to talk about Kindle, but why would I recreate something from 100% from scratch when I can kind of give an overview and then say, hey, if you want more detail, more insight, well, here's a, a partner of mine that has, you know, dozens and dozens of courses from audio courses to, um, not just audio, but like how to create audio books, how to create physical books, how to create Kindle books. And he has all this information about that, that I would then say, hey, after I teach you what I need to teach you, which is the bare basics, 
Then if you want to take it a little bit more advanced and take what, what I've taught you and scale and grow and magnify it even more, then I would recommend you take this course. And here's why. This is what this course has done for me. I know this guy and I'm going to tell you the story and I'm going to tell you what it has done for me. And then you'll be able to go over to him. So that's a key partnership. And obviously, if it's an affiliate deal, then every time I send someone to him, I would get payment as well, too. So it works for me. It works for him. And it is the best interest of that, that particular student at the same time. So that's, that's what you want to have key partners with. Going back to the roofers example. Well, if I am a roofer roofer and I'm doing installations and doing roofs, I may not do drains. I may not do leaf blowing. So now this new sector of this, this new key activity for this new value proposition for this new company, instead of them being competitors, now they could essentially be partners, right? So you have one company that's installing the roof, and then you have another company that they're going to refer you to that's going to maintain your drains and your gutters and blow the leaves off your roofs at the same time. It's a win-win situation. So they give you a brand new roof, and then they have a, a maintenance package for your roof as well, too. So they'll then give the referral to the maintenance company. They'll probably get 20%, 30%, maybe 50% of that revenue. But then that company is getting new leads from the roofer every time the roofer installs a roof. And that's what that key partnership should look like. There should be push and pull back and forth, much like networking. If you're going into a networking group, which I'm a part of as well, through Success Champions, I tell everyone, all the members all the time, like key partnerships, it goes back to like my statement about triangulation. It's like, you need to figure out like where you are in a triangle. If I'm a graphic designer, who would a graphic designer work well with? Well, a graphic designer would work really well with a web designer. And who would these two people work really well with? Well, these two people work really well with a videographer or a photographer. So once I talk about networking, I want to bring these three sides into my networking group. There could be other triangles going on at the same time. But my core triangle is going to be these three people because I'm, I'm a graphic designer, that's a web designer, and that's a photographer. And all three of us are sharing equally minded, equally yoked particular clientels, but there's no really overlapping or stepping on feet. We're all sharing the same referrals. So then you become an ecosystem. That's what key partnership is really about. So my takeaway for this one, I want you to think about it like, do you have key partners? And if you do, who are they? And if you don't, then you need to start thinking about, okay, how can I scale or grow if I had an opportunity to have a key partner in a particular sector of my value? If I can add on additional value without adding on additional cost, that's where that sweet spot is. So you can take your business from here to here overnight just by plugging in two additional key partnerships. Number 10, cost structure. So cost structure kind of goes back to what we were talking about with, with key activities with the financials. Cost structure, you know, you have to kind of figure out like, you know, what's your overhead? Like how much you, I don't say you need to go extremely anal, but you have to kind of understand like what's your overhead, right? You have to understand if you're a work from home person, like what's your overhead for your electricity? And you don't have to do this every single day, every single month. Just look at like an annual review, get an average and figure out, okay, this is what my, my annual cost is for my general expenses, whether it's going to ship something out, whether it's creating something, whether it's paying for a VA, whether it's buying software or licensing softwares or subscriptions, add all those numbers up. And then you can kind of see, okay, you know what, per year, I'm spending, let's say $30,000, right? My annual revenue is $35,000. So you're only really bringing in $5,000 because you're spending $30,000 to make that $35,000, right? So you just have to understand, okay, how do I scale that? Like, you want to scale that because you don't want to be at 5% out of, well, not, I'm not 5%, you don't want to be 5000 out of 35000 Like, that's just not, that just doesn't make sense. So you have to figure out, do I bring in new key partners? 
to add on additional services so I can then get referral fees or an affiliate deals, right? Or do I add on new offers that essentially I already have access to? Like, this goes back to a question that we had in a networking group. Like, I have all this content. I have all these eBooks that I've created or I've had all these written documents or these blog posts. What do I do with them? Well, that's a good thing for you to take all that information and, and bundle it up and tell a story and put it into a course or put it into an academy or put it into um, a group, a paid group, like something behind a paid wall. And that way, so now all the content that you've accumulated over the period of time could then be reused and recycled for a whole new target audience. But now you have all of it in one sitting versus being diversified on all these different platforms. Follow me on YouTube, follow me on Facebook, follow me here, follow me there. Take all the best of the best, collage those suckers together and put them in one environment. And that's one thing that you could definitely do that has a lot of value behind it because there's years of content, years of information and apply a cost to it. So understanding your cost structure is essentially understanding your value. What's your return? What's your margin? Like what's your overhead? So the first thing I want you to do is for the takeaway is this, what are your monthly operational expenses? Just start at the monthly level. And then you could either go micro, you can go down to the daily level, or you can go up to the annual level. But start at, start at monthly. Look at your monthly reoccurring costs. Look at that and then say, okay, this is my monthly reoccurring costs. And this is how much money I make per month. And then the difference in between, like that's the money in the bank. So you have to figure out, okay, if my money in my bank is not outweighing the money that I'm spending, how do you fix that? And this model could essentially get your mind to wrap around where you have holes. Next, of course, we're talking about money. So your revenue streams. So if you're figuring out your cost structure and you're figuring out your, your, your variables of like, what about my monthly reoccurring costs look like versus what I'm making every month, then you have to figure out your revenue streams. And I just gave you, I just gave you guys like a really good one, which is like, take the old content that you have sitting around that has a lot of value that's still evergreen content and collage them together and make a course or make an academy or, or make it a, a behind a paid wall. That's an additional revenue, revenue stream, right? So we're talking about, company revenue versus product revenue versus service revenue. Well, that's why I was talking about multiple brands before all brands under one umbrella, much like Amazon, right? And then you have just Beso, and then you have Prime, and then you have the Echo Dot. Let's just say like that's one linear of those three variables of product, service, company, person. So for you, think about your business and see where you are currently right now. If you're just a company and you're not a personal brand, my question would be why not become a personal brand? Especially if you have a storefront. Storefronts are like built and designed for personal branded people, especially if you're local. Okay, you're like the local hero. You know, you walk around, you, you shake hands, kiss babies. It's almost like you're running, running for office, right? So you have to make yourself into a brand to help your business grow. In addition to that, in that business, figure out what your products are and figure out what your services are. You usually have one or the other, but the likelihood of having both is where the real money comes into play. So you figure out, okay, if I'm selling coffee, coffee is my product. My coffee store is my company brand. I am the owner is the brand of the coffee company. But the part that you're missing is maybe add a subscription service for the coffee. It didn't cost you anything to, to really develop that, right? 
So now you have all four of these elements. It's as simple as that. You're adding on a subscription to say, hey, you guys are our local people. You come in here so regular. Not only will we give you a discount, but you know, not to say punch cards, but you could do it digital at this point in time, right? You could have someone scan a, a QR code or scan a barcode to get their cup of coffee. Maybe they have unlimited cups. Maybe they have one cup per day, maybe two cups per day. Maybe you could have different price plans. You could have one cup per day versus unlimited cups per day, right? That's basic versus pro. And there's people out there and in, in companies right now doing these things because they understand the principles behind these four different brands. So just adding on that additional service, then now you have all four of them, much like we talked about with the roofers. And again, if you don't want to be the additional service, then partner with someone. That's where your key partners come in. You want to pull those key partners in to say, okay, you know what? I am the company, I am the individual brand, and I have a product, but you have that service brand. Let's pull that service brand in, and now you have all four without having to create it, right? So with revenue, you want to think about the key takeaway for this one is, like, does your value proposition create a revenue stream? In addition to that, like, where is your missing of the four components of four brands? Again, Company brand, individual brand, product brand, service brand. If you have all four, great. Now the only thing you have to do is figure out how to scale and monetize and make sure that that system works. If you don't, then you need to plug in either a key partner or create that additional brand to get that ecosystem to work, much like the example I did earlier with Amazon. Another example of that would be Apple. You have Apple, Steve Jobs, iPhone, iTunes or any other variables of their many other products. And you can kind of do this over and over again. It's like, if you did a chart and put the four columns, you can start figuring out multiple different brands that, that have this thing that I'm talking about with all four brands. And then going into number 12, last but not least, I've titled it Envision Goals. And it's kind of like, you know, goals are one of these things that you kind of set, but goals are always updating, changing, and modifying, but vision does as well too. So I've kind of combined these two to say, okay, you know, the result of achievement toward the effort is directed towards the result. Sounds crazy. But the reality is, is like, if I have a goal, does that goal in, stay in alignment with my vision? If my vision shifts, my goal should shift, right? My, if, I, if I'm aiming for 10 million, but, and I have this one envision for my company, but then there's a fork in the road and I have a dual envision and they're both working for themselves, prime example, I'm adding on a new service to my products and my brands. Now I have a dual vision. Well, the goal for this particular vision, which is on the right-hand side, that goal could still be met. But now this new vision, well, what's the goal for that one? Like, like it could be a similar goal, but again, if I have two separate product and service, they should be in alignment. They should be differently parallel, but the end result should be the same. But again, the goal should be uniquely different for each one of the platforms. That way you can isolate and figure out your problems at hand. And a good example of this would say, okay, my goal for Boss and Kate podcast is to say, I want to get 1 million listeners. Like that's my goal, like that's that, that branch. But my goal for the Academy is I want to get maybe 10% of that 1 million, right? Because again, not every listener may need the Academy, but the end result of both the Academy and Boss and Kate podcast is to essentially help entrepreneurs help business owners. Some people love just listening to free content and they'll learn through that. Some people love listening to free content and they need an extra push. They need a community of people. They need step-by-steps. They need um, checklists. They need show notes. They need videos. They need to be able to ask someone questions. 
Well, again, the results could be the same, but the goals and aspirations of both these branches are uniquely different with, with the same end result in mind. So that's something that I want you to think about. So the walkway for this one is like, think about what I just said about the envisions and think about the goals and see if your, your vision and your goals all line up with your value proposition. So just to recap, the 12 things that we're talking about today and the fundamentals are value proposition, unfair advantage, customer segments and relationships, channels of communication, customer challenges, customer solutions, key activities, key resources, key partners, cost structure, revenue stream, and envision goals. So obviously with everything that I, I've just the kind of, I always say I always throw up, right? Everything I just threw up on you guys, I, I want you to kind of, you know, re-listen to this, take notes, takes action at least on one of these, right? If you're missing one of these 12 components, figure out which ones you're missing and then fill it out. Start to answer those questions. And obviously, if you need more help with that, I would say this is where I would plug in the Boston Cage Academy. If you have personal questions, step-by-steps, if you want me to kind of create more content just on a particular section that we talked about, then I would just say go and, and, and look at the Boston Cage Academy, which is at bossoncage.com slash academy. You will be surprised at how cheap the cost can be for something as simple as setting up a subscription to help multiple different peoples. But you could definitely sign up for that, take a look at it, see if it'll benefit you. If you have any additional questions, feel free to reach out to me. I mean, all my communication devices are always out there and, and plain and simple, right? <clears throat> Last but not least, in closing, something else that, that I was talking about um, recently was reviews. So as I start to do more and more of these videos and more and more of these trainings and these micro courses, as I'm going to call them, and, and continue to build up the Boston Cage Academy in conjunction with Boston Cage Podcast, I need insight from our listeners. I need insight to, is this content helpful for you? You know, Do you want more of this content? Do you want more insight? And I've seen some comments here and there. I've seen some reviews that have come up on um, Apple reviews. But I, I know we have more, way more listeners than we have reviews. So my next step is I want to start getting more insight from you, the listener. I want to know what you want, how you want it. If you have any referrals for somebody that you want me to interview, I want to interview them. I want you to hear their stories. I want you to take action on their results that they've gotten that you can do the same once you hear how they've done it. If you want more insight on these individual podcast episodes, I want to hear that as well. So in the show notes on this, I think this is on YouTube Live and on the podcast, there's going to be a link. I'm going to tell you what the link is. It's called learnacademy.bossoncage.com slash reviews. That's L-E-A-R-N-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y dot bossoncage.com slash reviews. Take 30 seconds, 60 seconds, write a quick review or leave a video review so then I can create more content to effectively help you on your journey to get you to where you want to be, which without without doubt, you want to be a boss on Cage. Again, this is S.A. Grant. I appreciate you guys. I love this stuff. I love this information. Hopefully you love what I'm delivering as much as I love delivering it to you. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 233 boss 
That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.